Okay? So thank you for having us. We're going to do the Yului Nishma because tomorrow, tonight is the yard site of your father-in-law, Natan ben Rachel. So it should be the Yului Nishma. It worked out perfectly. Okay, so we, we said last week we're going to try to look a little bit at the Sifirot to try to understand what's the Sifirot. Mm-hmm. And from there we're going to go. So we're going to try to keep it as simple as possible. Again, the rules are if you have a question, stop and we go, we go forward from the question wherever you are to try to understand to make sure. So I have a little, a little image of the Sifirot here. And just to give you a little, little bit of a background, we're not going to go so in depth, but just enough to understand. And then we're going to see how the sefirot relate to really so many things in our lives. It's not this esoteric thing that's beyond us. It's not this Kabbalistic witchcraft, whatever, that we're not allowed to look at. It's, it's basically relates, the way we relate it most often is to the personalities of the avot. It's to the qualities that we should try to adopt. And we should understand, uh, again, what some of them mean. So we have in the Sifirot, there's what we're going to call the above the line. Above the line are beyond our access for the most part, although we can have access to it at some times. Now, if we imagine for a second, imagine Hashem is sending a light or an energy into this world, but the energy is like a nuclear power station. Hmm? It's recording. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Yes, we are recording. Okay, so imagine, imagine Hashem is sending a light. It's like a nuclear power station. So now I want to plug my shaver into an electric outlet. If I plug my shaver into a nuclear power station's main power supply, what would happen to the shaver? It would blow up because the power is just simply too strong for me to handle. So how do we have it in our own world? We basically have a power station And from the power station, we have substations where the power is broken down, smaller and smaller voltage, until it gets to the building, and then until it gets to our outlet. The outlet took it down to a point that I can plug in and I can access the energy. The energy is starting out in this nuclear power station, but I can only access the energy once it's filtered down to a point that I'm able to utilize that energy. This is a way to understand the Sifirot. The Sifirot, in a way, are taking the light and the energy that Hashem is sending to this world. We're incapable, where our vessels aren't capable of receiving or utilizing that light in its original form. And therefore, the light is broken down to a point where we can access that light. Now, if we look again, we're going to say above the line, we're going to say our keter chokhmah bina. We'll explain a little more as we go. Below the line are what we call zerampin. These are the six, which are the filters which take the light from the above the line, from the high part, to through through the middle until it's going to come to us, and we can say that we're at malchut or the bottom level. So we can also relate these sifirot to uh, to to Yosef. And we, we were talking about the idea of last week, a little bit of Yosef. We have Yosef in the Perashah this week. And one of the questions is, if we, be, we, re, we begin this week's Perashah, it's Vahi Miketz, it was at the end of two years. Paro has this dream. Paro has a dream and the, the, uh, the wine steward says, you know, I recall my sin today 
that I sinned in front of Parah two years ago. I was in jail with the baker. We went to this slave, Hebrew, young person who was Joseph. And Joseph interpreted the dream. And the way he interpreted, that's how it was. So they take Joseph out of jail. Think for a second. Taking him out of jail. He's 30 years old at this point. He's been a slave. Nothing more than a slave in Egypt. And he's been in jail for the last 12 years. He was a slave for Potiphar for one year. The incident with the wife of Potiphar takes place. He's in jail for 10 years. We have the baker and the... And the butler, the wine steward. And then two years later, we have this incident. Parot tells him, I had a dream. He tells him the dream. Yosef is correcting the dream as Parot is telling him the dream. And Parot has this feeling that Yosef was dreaming with him. At the end, Joseph interprets the dream. The interpretation of the dream is there's going to be seven years of plenty. And then those seven years of plenty are going to disappear from the seven years of famine. Meaning, there's no survival. We're done. It's over. There's going to be seven years of so much, and then all of it's going to disappear to the point where we don't even remember that we had it. We can't survive. Now, if we remember, we have a story that we read on Yom Kippur about Jonah, Yonah. Yonah goes into the city of Nineveh, and in the city of Nineveh, he tells the people, 30 days, the city's going to be destroyed. And he's going through the city saying this, the king hears, tells all the people to put sackcloth on, to fast, to repent, and then Nineveh is not going to be destroyed. In the story with Egypt, it seems there's going to be seven years of plenty, and then we're dead. Now what does Yosef do? He says, well, there's a solution. Now, if you're going to say the solution is to repent, to change, to be different, that's one solution. But he doesn't offer that solution. He says, appoint someone who's a genius, who's going to be able to figure out a way for us to survive. And through him, we're going to survive. Now, he does this for a reason, because Parov then goes to all his advisors and says to his advisors, what do you think? And all of them say, wow, great idea. Why? Because they all think that they're going to be the one. They don't think he's going to appoint this guy. But Parod then appoints Joseph. And the question is, why? Joseph is not, doesn't have a degree in agriculture. He doesn't have a degree in government. How do you take a boy who's been in jail for 12 years, who was only a slave prior to that, and now make him immediately the prime minister of Egypt in charge of everything. That's Makes a simple answer. Yeah. They said that Yosef was of such beauty and such charm that anyone he spoke to would just... Okay, so you can make him the face of Egypt but and the model of Egypt, but prime said. minister to deal with this situation. No, right, how do you do I, that? That's a, that's a big that's jump. A big so he, his, so okay. So the answer is that we are going to have to figure out a way. No, he's giving the interpretation that we're going to have nothing. I thought he actually even oh, said. Yeah. But if you appoint mind, someone, then he said also at the same time the way years. to save it is to save one fifty So, so re- remember now what happens to every the Egyptian. Only way it would have been saved because if the Egyptians had it in their possession, it would have disappeared with the rest of their food. So which all disappeared? 
Right, so, but only because it was a Jew, it was able only to Only because it was him. But what, what is the idea of him being able to save it? That, so that's really the, the crux of going back to here. So he keeps saying, when he's speaking to Parah, it's not me, it's all Elohim. It's all Elohim. He doesn't use Yud Kei Vav Kei, Hashem. He uses Elohim, Elohim, Elohim. He's always using Deen because he's connected to Deen. This aspect of Yosef, which we're saying here is Yisod on the, on the chart, is connected to Yaakov. Yaakov is Tiferet. Tiferet is fed by Chesed and Gvura. But above that, we have these levels which we're saying are above the line. The level of above the line is this level that no one has access to. When Yosef says Elohim, Paro and all of Egypt think of Elohim as what? As the creator of the world, but not involved in the world. What Yosef is saying and what Paro is saying, because Yosef says, appoint a person who's Navon Vechacham, understanding and wise. The reality is it should be in the reverse. It should be chacham ve'navon. You have wisdom and from the wisdom, understanding. But in this case, we're doing the reverse. Why? Because Yosef is saying the person has to be connect, able to connect to above the line. He has to break through nature and what we would normally be subject to in order to overcome nature. Because by nature, we have seven years of plenty, and then seven years, it's over. So that person has to be navon vechacham in order to go above the line and connect us to something that shouldn't be. Also, we have information already. So he has to be navon because he has to be able to understand the information we have. And then from the information we have, he has to be chacham to determine new information. And that's why the, the, it's reverse. So Paro is looking at Yosef. Paro is thinking, I dreamt this dream for two years. I also dreamt the explanation. I forgot the explanation. But he was as if he's in my dream. Which means, where is he? He's in heaven. He's above the line. He was there when I was getting the message. What do you mean getting a message? We know every dream has nonsense. Every dream is maybe one sixtieth prophecy. Why should Paro's dream be different? Because the leader of a nation, the king, he's given a dream to see the future of his nation. And so Paro knows, I'm here. I heard of this Elohim before with my great-grandfather, with Sarah. I heard of this Elohim before, of all purpose, all being, all everything. This person in front of me is able to connect to Elohim, and therefore I can appoint him. So what Yosef is able to do in effect, he's able to skip all all the filters, and because of his purity... Because he's called Yosef HaSadiq, he's pure to the extreme because he passed the test with the wife of Potiphar. He's able to plug directly in to the nuclear power plant. And Paro recognizes that I need someone who could plug into the nuclear power plant 
that will take me above that line. And that's why Yosef is able to do it. So the question to us is, how do we plug in to this higher level? We say that, we say that there's a mekor beracha. I put the notes even what the whole class is on the last page. We say there's mekor beracha. What's mekor beracha? We sing Shabbat is mekor beracha. Shabbat is the source of blessing. We also say that a person's sustenance comes from where? Comes from his wife. What does that mean? So I can say I go to work every single day. I'm standing by the cash register. I'm taking the money in. That's my money for the week. It's going in. But the rabbis say, no. Your money is all coming from one place, from Shabbat. What? The day I can't work, you're going to tell me that's the source of my beracha? We say in Birkat HaMazon, we say, Eretz Berit VeTorah. These are the sources that we're thankful from. The land, the Brit, and the Torah. So a person has to understand, if I really want blessing in this world, I have to be able to access blessing. Where do I access blessing from? What, this place that I'm going to call above the line. This place that we're going to call Bina. Because that's the lowest point above the line that I might have access to. Understanding. Bina. Bina. But Bina is also the source of the light. It's the highest source of the light beyond that we don't have access to. One of the things we mentioned last week, we say Bina is at a level we call 50. 50 is Bina. We count, for example, we said last week, we count on Shavuot 49 days. We can never count 50 because it's almost impossible to reach 50. 50 is Nun Sha'are Bina, the 50 gates of understanding. That's what we call 50. Anytime you hear 50 in Judaism, Yovel, all of these things are connecting to this highest level of Bina. We say Moshe Rabbeinu was able to connect to the 50th level minus one. Okay, so we're going to this. So what, when do we have the ability to connect to this level of Bina to source all blessing? Remember, Hashem is always sending it to us. It's always coming. Always coming. It's not that Hashem is not sending it. It's that we're blocking it in some way. They're going through the filters in some way. I'm missing out through the filters in some way. What do, I do? what do I need to do if I want to access it? I need to get back to that level on top. When can I get back to that level on top? The main time that I can get to that level is Shabbat. Why Shabbat? Because on Shabbat, the rabbis tell us that we have a neshama yetera. What does that mean, neshama yetera? What does that mean? Even in translate in English. Additional soul. Do you think for a second that once Friday night comes and you lit those candles, that Sybil came inside you and, hello, yeah, what now? There's two people inside you that are having a conversation? What does that mean, Neshama Yetera. Do you think that I have an extra soul in me, like two people that are occupying my body? So the Neshama Yetera is better than saying an additional soul. It's an expansion of my own soul from the level of Malchut, if we go back to the chart, straight up to this level called Bina. So on Shabbat, there's a piece of my soul that's connecting to Bina. 
which means on Shabbat, I have the ability to draw light, to draw energy, to draw blessing completely down to last through the whole week. They say Shabbat is the center of the week. Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, take from the coming Shabbat. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday from the past Shabbat because all of the energy is coming through the Shabbat. So if I could access Shabbat on the proper level, then I'm able to draw from this place called Mekor Beracha, the source of blessing, and bring that into my life. Having this little chart allows me to visualize this in a way that I could actualize it a little more. The more I could visualize things, the more I can spiritually actualize things. So now jumping further, we say that, we said that, that we said Yosef is, uh, is extension of Yaakov, Yosef is sword to Yehuda Mahut. Now we begin this week's parasha, Vayigash Elav Yehuda. Yehuda approaches, he approaches Yosef and the word approach, this word Vayigash is like boom. Like a car's crashing. What do you mean, Vayigash Elav Yehuda? It's very, very hard to understand. Because if you look in the Perashah that we ended last week, and I have it here on page three, it says, Vayomer Yehuda. Yehuda says, Manomar Ladoni, what can I say to my master? Manedaber, what can I speak? Manitztadak, how can I justify myself? Ha'elokim matza et avon avadecha. It's not you, Joseph. God found the sin of your servant. He nenu all of us, all of us brothers, avadim ladoni. We are going to be servants to our master, to you. Gam anachnu, also us. Gam asher dimsa hagavir Also Benjamin. The question is, what do you mean? Gam anachnu, gam asher dimsa hagavir. So he's saying, us brothers plus Benjamin. God found the sin among us. It's not you. So if you can ask, what was the sin? The sin was that they threw him in the pit. They sold their brother. So God is, but you think, but how come Benjamin then? He's saying, Gama Nachnu, also us. Why also us? Because we did the crime. Why Benjamin? He didn't do the crime. So the Orachayim, which I, I took the notes of the Orachayim right here. He says, you have to understand something. When there's a fire, even people who shouldn't get burned, get burned. He brings an example. There's two pieces of dried up wood and one piece of wet wood. If you try to light a piece of wet wood, what's going to happen to it? Nothing. Nothing. But if you start a fire with the two dry pieces of wood and the wet wood is next to it, what's going to happen? The wet wood gets burned. So he's saying, the 10 of us, we're all guilty. And also him, because he's with us. Okay, that's what it is. That's what it is. When does everything change? Yosef responds, God forbid that I should do such a thing. Only the one who the cup was found in his hand, he will be for me a slave. 
The rest of you, go in peace to your father. Now what happens to whole Joseph's, Judah's whole argument? He lost. He loses because now what happens? He could say God is punishing all of us because we did a sin. And he's being so thoughtful to Joseph. No, you're right. We're wrong. God's doing this. It's not you. Then the last verse of last week's portion says to him, wait, 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 wait. I don't want you. I only want him. Now, what does Judah think? Whoa. This is not God. No, no, no. This is not God. This is Joseph. If it's God, I have to deal with God. You're just an instrument, Joseph. This is God. But now that he's only going after Benjamin and Benjamin bears no guilt, then who's doing all of this? Joseph on his own. Now Judah says, whoa, 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 whoa. The whole game just changed. Vaigash. What does that word mean? Vaigash. So it means, in Hebrew it is, he approached. But the approach, if you use in Hebrew, is as if two cars crash in the night. Two cars went boom. So he's coming to him now, and he says now, I want to speak in your ear. And I tell you, don't get angry. He's going to approach him because he doesn't want anyone to hear because he doesn't want Joseph to be defensive. So now what's happening is he's saying to him, now wait, this whole thing changed now. And he's threatening him, just like my two brothers destroyed all of Shechem. And just like God destroyed Egypt, if he wanted, because of what you did to my grandmother, Sarah, I'm going to tell you now, don't start. This is not God anymore. This is you, Joseph. Don't start with us. Now what's interesting is after he threatens him, he tells him, you know what? Oh, we should feel bad. We should feel bad because my poor brother, he's my father's. And I'll stay as a slave and let him go. The two arguments are ridiculous. Imagine for a second you robbed a store and they took you to jail and you had a bunch of friends said to the judge, you know what, let him go, we'll, be the, we'll go to jail instead of him. Or you said, I have a grandmother at home, I still have, you know, 10 other uncles that could take care of my grandmother, but I have to go take care of my grandma. What's the judge going to say? So Judah is appealing on a level of mercy, which doesn't even make sense. And this is really the difference between Judah and Joseph. Joseph's life is all Black and white, Elohim. I didn't do anything wrong ever, Joseph could say. I'm perfect. And that's why I could connect. You, on the other hand, only could appeal to mercy. So there's a, there's a schism between Joseph and Judah. If you read this week's Haftarah, it talks about the Navi taking two sticks and writing on one stick, Joseph, and one stick, Judah. And what does he do? He rubs the sticks together and they become one stick. One stick. What do you mean one stick? What's the whole idea? So is there Dean? Is the, exactly. But the question is more, is the world governed by Dean? Judgment? Or is the world governed again by mercy, which we said last week. Now if we can continue from that. So that, that relates now to Yosef, who's... Now, Malchut is the level we're going to say we're on. So the filtering light is coming 
through Yisod, through the Sadiq, through the perfection of Joseph, but it's governed by who? Judah as Mahud. Why Judah? Why is the king Judah and not Joseph? Shouldn't Joseph be the king? He's perfection. Why is Judah? Remember, we read last week about Judah, what happens? His two sons marry Tamar. They both die from doing wrong. He ends up thinking she's a, a woman of the night. He sleeps with her and he accuses her of uh, doing something wrong. He's going to burn her at the stake. And then at the last minute, she says, the person who slept with me owns this ring, this garment, and this staff. And he says, she is more righteous than me. Boom. What's the difference between Joseph and Judah? I think because one experienced not trauma, but like um, choices, and maybe he was be more empathetic to people. Perfect. So Judah fails. David HaMelech says in Tehillim, the Sadiq falls seven times, and each time he gets up. In order to be king, you have to be someone who fails who returns to appreciate failure in others and the potential for them to rise up. If you're a pure perfectionist, how could you judge other people? Because you're only going to judge people on your level. So the malchut is given to David, which is malchut, which is below Yisod. So again, we're going back to the Sifirot, this crazy thing of Kabbalah, which it's not so crazy. It's coming in so the light is filtering through the Sadiq but it has to come to a place where there could be failure and return. And that's, that is Yehuda. That's Judah. Now let's look at this idea of man-free will. This idea of man-free will is, we're, we're going to see also in, in, in that whole exchange between Joseph and, Joseph and, and Judah here. First, Judah is saying, this is all God doing it. Then he says to himself, no, this is Joseph because Benjamin's not guilty. If Joseph is doing it, he could do something wrong to Benjamin. We have free will in this world to the point that God allows us in a way to overcome a heavenly decree. Man is given free will to do bad. That's the answer. Thank you. Man has free will to do bad so in this world. Mm-hmm. Like Man, they say everything's from Hashem. It kind of but we have, away the, the, you know. Man has the ability to do, to, do, to do wrong in this world. Now I want to take you. I'm going to take you a little bit through the Amidah to show you the Sefirot in the Amidah. And just from there, I'm going to show you the protection. And I'm going to show you a concept that we have to understand that exists. Because the fact that we are Jews living 2,000 years after the destruction of the temple is not natural. It's not natural. And I'm going to explain to you that whole question that you asked. We're going to see it at the end to understand the question. Let's look at the Amidah. We all say the Amidah. We all say, you'll, 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 we'll give it to you after. The first page. The first page. So this is so basically in the Amidah, if you could have Kavanah just for this first, it's very hard to have Kavanah the whole 
Amidah, if you could have Kavanah for this first paragraph of the Amidah, that Kavanah will be enough and that'll really make a difference in your life that's unbelievable. Just from the first paragraph. paragraph. What you're going to hear right now, if you take this for the rest of your life, the Amidah will be meaningful to you every time you say it. And you have the notes to take with you to be able to say it. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make sense of it. I'm gonna make complete sense of it. Now, one thing, just to, to go back for a second, in this week's parasha, we have a point where Jacob comes and meets Joseph. If you remember, Joseph sends Agalot. He sends wagons to go bring his father. His father is gonna come on the wagons, and then Joseph comes out to meet his father. At the moment that they meet, what happens? It says. Joseph cried on his father's shoulder, and Rashi says, and what was Jacob doing? Saying Shema. And the question is, what? If you're going to tell me someone should be crying, who should be crying? Jacob. Because he thought his son was dead for 22 years, and now he's seeing his son, it's like bringing back the dead. He should be crying. Why is Joseph crying? In fact, we see Joseph crying all the time. When he meets his brothers, he has to leave the room because he's crying. In this story, he goes out of the room because he's crying. He sees his brothers, he starts to cry. He sees his father, he's crying. Why are you crying? You're the king. What are you crying about? So, and, and if they're going to say Shema, why don't they both say Shema? If it's time to say Shema, you tell me that Joseph said it earlier. And like, What's going on? It says that, Joseph is crying because he sees his father coming down to Egypt. And he says, Dad, this is it. Remember, Hashem told our grandfather, your grandfather Abraham, you're going to be slaves for 400 years under, uh, under another nation. This is it. We're going into the time of deen, of judgment. I told you I was right. The world is judgment. We are subject completely to judgment. And he's crying because things are going to be difficult. What is, what is the answer that Yaakov gives to his tears? Shema Yisrael. Hashem, Yud Vavke, mercy, Elokeinu, is Elokim. You think it's only Elokim, Joseph. No, Hashem Elokeinu, the God of mercy, is also the God of judgment. It's not one without the other. Hashem Echad. One God. There's not judgment, there's not mercy, it's all we just don't understand how we're looking at it, Joseph. It's all one. And that's the two sticks coming together. That it's all one. Shema Yisrael is us saying, even when I'm dealing with judgment and when I'm dealing with mercy, it's not coming from God giving me good and the devil giving me bad. We don't have such a thing. The Goyim have two separate powers, God and the devil. Everything's coming from Hashem, and in the end, it's for us. It's all echad, it's all one. Yeah? It's to test you, to make you grow. But it's not, it's not a separate power. The goyim have Satan as a separate power to God. That's their... We don't have such a thing. Satan is a servant of Hashem to make us grow. But what we, we perceive as judgment and we perceive as mercy... It's all echad. It's all one. That's what we're saying, Shema. Now let's look at the Amidah. So we say, Baruch Atah Hashem. So we're saying Baruch. Baruch, if you think of Baruch, 
blessing. You're drawing down blessing. I'm drawing, I'm trying to get to this high, high level to draw blessings down. Who's the source of the blessings? I tell you. You know what's unbelievable? I am now talking to God. I'm saying to God, Ata, you. Normally when you talk, even you hear kids talk about their rabbi, you know, and they talk in front of the rabbi. What does the rabbi think? What do I think? No, what does the rabbi think? In front of the rabbi, because they talk about the rabbi in third person, respectful. Hashem is telling you, don't talk to me in third person. You're here with me. You're in the room. In the room with me. Talk. We say Hashem, Yudke Vavke, God of mercy. That's the God of mercy. That's Yudke Vavke. Stop for a second, think. Elokenu. It's Elokenu means you're the God of judgment, but it's all one. Now, Eloke Avotenu, the God of my fathers. When I get anything in this world that is beneficial to me, I could never say it is from my own, my own doing good. It's not on me. It's always because of Zehut Avot, the merit of our ancestors before us. Everything that I have in this world, I can't ever say it's because of me. If you judge me, who am I? Who am I? I'm zero. I would get nothing. Every time we pray, we turn to Hashem and say, because of our ancestors. But thinking about it. So tonight's the yard side of, of your father-in-law. So what we're saying now is this. Anything we have is because of the good that they did. You know, sometimes we compare ourselves in, to our grandfathers or our fathers and say, you know, we're so much smarter. We learned so much Torah. But we would have nothing if they didn't build the structure that allowed us to have what we have. They're infinitely more than us. So we're saying, Zechut Avot, Elokeinu, Eloke Avotenu, Zechut Avot. But how is it a two-way street? Because by us learning now, we give energy to the neshamot of our grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-parents. Our learning in this hour means that every one of the people who we're connected to in the true world, they're on an elevator going up. They get energy from us. We get sustenance in a way from them and we give them energy. It's a two-way street. So I'm thinking now, now I could imagine all my ancestors. I'm connecting to all of them. Avraham, Avraham is chesed. When I think of Avraham, I think of the kindness that Avraham did in this world. And I think, what do I have to do? Emulate that kindness and I should visualize a white light. White light is chesed. White light, I should connect to the light of Abraham. Elokei Yitzchak. Who's Yitzchak? I have to imagine. He's on the Akedah. He's bound. He's restriction. He's, he's, he's restriction, meaning you have to know sometimes in this world you have to stop. You can't just keep going. There has to be self-control. This is Yitzchak. Yitzchak is the red light. It's a red light. Red light, like, stops. Red light, stop. Elokei Yaakov. Who's Yaakov? Yaakov is the balance. He's the balance between Abraham's chesed and the gevurah of Yitzchak. And he's the balance, and that's tiferet, and that's the green light. Now I connect it to my three avot. Now I keep going. Ha'el ha'gadol. This word gadol is the same as chesed. In many charts of the sefirot, chesed is also called gedulah. Gedulah is greatness. Greatness is chesed. So when I say hakel hagadol, 
God who's great, I now went to the Abraham side, to the Chesed side, to the white light side. That's Chesed. That's Gedula. So that's the Chesed, great. Then Gibor, Givura, is relates to Yitzchak, the red light. So I went to the right, to the left, and Hanora. This is the balance, and this is Yitzchak again. So now I'm looking at Hashem and I'm saying, these thing, qualities that I saw in the Avot, where did they all come from? They come from Hashem. And what do I have to do? I have to emulate those qualities. And I'm thinking that when I got to that word. Now I do it again. El Elyon, the highest of gods. And I think again on the chesed. Oh, so I think there. El Elyon, Gomel Chasadim Tovim. This is God on the chesed. This is God. He does kindness for all of us. And we're saying it out loud here. Gomel Chasadim Tovim. Then Koneh HaKol. God owns everything. Everything is God's. That's on the Gevurah. I can't trespass more because God is in control. If I steal, I'm stealing from God because God is in control. <laughs> and then I come again to remember the kindness of the forefathers. I come to Yitzhak. I come to the three together and it brings me to this aspect of balance. Umevi Goel, he brings uh, Savior, uh, Geula, salvation, thank you. Livneh Benehem, to their children's children. Who's that? Us. So I'm thinking now, you know, Hashem, I'm turning to you, bizchut avot, in the merit of our fathers, and I'm doing everything I can to send the light back up. I'm doing everything I can to put my ancestors in the elevator to climb. But everything is to mevi goel, to bring salvation to us. Leman shemo, now leman shemo, for the sake of his name, what name? We're not really saying. The name to have in mind here is Kel Shakai. God who said, Shin Dalad Yud, enough. Meaning, in order for me to connect, huh? What do I want? Kel Shakai, Shin Dalad Yud. Aleph Lamed, Shin Dalad Yud. Kel Shakai, this is Hashem who said enough, which means in order for me to access all of this, we said last week, what's my main test in this world? Self control. Kel Shakai, God who said, enough. I have, to, I have to accept upon myself with these words, Hashem, I'm willing to accept self-control. I'm willing to give my life to you. And that's Be'ahava. Be'ahava is bet twice ahava. Twice love. When the Kohanim bless us, they say bracha before the blessing. And the blessing is they're going to bless they're going to bless the children of Israel with love. What is ahava? Ahava is based on the word hav. Hav is to give. You want to love someone, it's not what you're going to get. The rabbi would say it's always what you're going to give. It's hav, it's give. But ahava, if we count the gematria of ahava, it's one plus five plus two plus five equals... 13. 13. Ahava, 1 and 5 is 6, plus 2 is 8, plus 5 is 13. What's this idea of 13? 13 is also the word Echad. Aleph, Chet, Dalid. So we're ending the first paragraph of the Amidah with the same word as, the, as, as Shema, which is 13. What's the idea of 13? 
If I take the 13 and then we have something that we say whenever we want to appeal to Hashem's mercy, it's called the Yag Midot. The 13 attributes of mercy that Hashem has. Hashem El Rahum Vechanun Erech We say this always in Yom Kippur. We say it again and again in Yom Kippur. What are we supposed to do when we say those things? We're supposed to think, just as God is merciful, I need to be merciful. So there's Yag Midot of Hashem which should be paid back with my own Yagmidot. So if I take the 13, and I take the 13, and I bring them together, what do I have? 26. What's 26? The Yud and the K, the Vav and the K, Hashem's name, which I have to bring together. The Yud He of Hashem's name represents the Sefirot above the line. The Vav is the six. To connect, and the hey is the machut of our word. Every time I think of Yudke Vavke, every time I think of Hashem's name, what am I doing? I'm drawing the light from above down to me. My job is to bring the Yud and the hey together with the Vav and the hey. We say every time before we do a mitzvah, we say a, a little prayer. L'shem Yichud Kudshah in order to bring together the name of Hashem. What's the name? The Yud hey, which is above. The Vav, which is the connector, the He below. If I do what I'm supposed to do right, I connect the Yud He and the Vav He, and what do I do now? I draw the light. Keep going. You have the 13 is also what? Take the letters of Avraham. How many letters in Avraham? Five. How many letters in Yitzchak? How many letters in Yaakov? Equals? 13. Take the names of the mothers. Sarah? Three. Rivka, Four. seven, Leah, Three. ten, and Rachel, thirteen. I take the Avot, is thirteen. This is the Birka, the Beracha of the Avot. I take the thirteen of them. I bring them together, the Avot and the Imahot. I have thirteen and thirteen. What do I have together? Twenty-six. Yud K and the Vav K. Now the most important four words of the whole Amidah. These are the most important four words. Melech, Ozer, Umoshia, Umagad. And I have the notes here from Rabbi Kaplan. When I say Melech, if I tell you, you know, for example, say there's a guy, he's in jail. And we need the president to commute his sentence or to, to, you know, to do something to get him out. So what does it take? You know, when Trump, Trump was in the White House, there were guys needed to get out of jail we, and or needed to get... Their sentence wiped away. You needed someone who knew Trump. Someone who knew someone. So if I say the word melech, I'm saying, you know what? I know the king. I know the king. Just think of it for a second. It's like me saying, I know the president. You know, If I needed to, I could maybe make a call to the president. I don't know if he would do anything, but I know the president. I know the king. That's my first level. I know the melech. Now I'm going to take you another step. Ozer. Not only do I know the king, if I need help and I call out to the king, what's going to happen? He's going to help me. I know God. He's relating to me. I'm saying, Baruch Atah. I'm talking to God. I'm reminding myself, this is not some God that I can't relate to. He's Ozer. He's helping me. If I call to God, he's there for me. Umoshiach. What's Moshiach? 
Moshiach means if God forbid I'm in a swimming pool and I'm drowning and all I could do is stick my hand up, I can't even call. I have to visualize myself when I say Moshiach that I'm in that pool reaching out and what's God doing? He's the lifeguard pulling me out of the pool. That's Moshiach. And what's Magen? Magen is a shield. Magen, the way the rabbis put it, is if someone comes to stab me with a knife, or the way I learned it with my rabbi, if someone comes to shoot me, I don't even know that he's coming after me. I don't even know that I'm in danger. And still Hashem is, Magen, my protection. And then I could say, what do you mean? How is it possible? Who am I that Hashem should really, even if I don't call him, even if, he don't, even if I can't even realize I'm in trouble, that Hashem should come to me? And I close this beracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Magen Avraham. You were the shield of my great-grandfather. You're the shield also of me. If you think of that, when you say the Amidah, it's going to completely change your whole Amidah and change every single day because you're going to relate to Hashem in a way that you couldn't relate to Hashem. You're going to relate to Hashem always. Now just to close with this, we have to realize something. We depend on the protection of Hashem. What does that mean? We depend on the protection of Hashem. If nature had its way, we would not exist. Ask any historian, they would tell you that any people who were similar to us are gone. We should have been gone at the first destruction of the temple, 2,600 years, I mean, what is it, 587? Yeah, 2,600 years ago, we should have been gone. Then we came back. Okay, we had a nation again. Then the Romans came and sold us into slavery. We should have been gone. We should not exist. We only exist by miracle. What does that mean, we exist by miracle? There's, in the Torah, when Hashem sends the snakes in the, in the, in, in the book of Devarim, after Bil'am, the whole story, Hashem sends the snakes when we're complaining. The word is not vayishlach. It's vayeshalach. What's the difference between vayishlach? What is vayishlach? And he sent vayishlach Yaakov Malachim. What's vayeshalach? Hashem released. No, no, it's not send. He released. What is the difference between sending and release? Release means I was holding them back. Nature wants to destroy us. The world wants to destroy us. We only exist because Hashem is our magen. But what do we have to do? We have to access that protection. That protection doesn't come. The protection doesn't come. We have to realize that only there's protection when we have divine influence. And this goes back. How could some rabbi say that because someone was following the Shabbat, they didn't get killed on October 7th and someone, on October 7th, and someone else got killed. Because everyone should have got killed. Everyone should have got killed. The world wants to kill us. They're after us to kill us all the time. If we weren't aware of the hatred of the world before October 7th, let me just tell you, everyone hates us. Esav soneh et Yitzchak. Esav soneh et Yisrael. Esav hates Israel. That's the answer to your question. We should all be dead. We should all be under attack always. 
The only reason we exist is because Melech, we know the king. Ozer, he knows to call him, he helps us. Moshiach, even when we can't call, he's there. Umagen, and he's protecting us. But what does it take on our part? It takes the contract. It takes the berit. It takes us to say, Hashem, I'm going to connect with you, you connect with me. You know, you said last night, Hashem silecha al yad yiminecha. We say, Hashem is your, that was from your class yesterday. Hashem silecha, Hashem is my, Hashem silecha, Hashem is your shadow on your right. What does that mean? Hashem relates to us as we relate to others. If I'm good to others, Hashem shadows my move. Hashem does what I do. But we also have a responsibility to shadow Hashem's moves. When we say, El, Rachum, Vechanun, God is merciful and kind, what does that mean? We have to be merciful and kind. Everything is a two-way street. We're not just subject to anything. We are important in this world. Hashem made us in this world. We have a job to do, and we could change the world. Hashem created this world and gave us tremendous, tremendous power to the point where I said last week that nothing in heaven could happen until we pressed the button alone. Why didn't God do that? He wanted to, but you didn't press the button. You have to press the button. You have to realize how powerful you are. How, uh, how much of a job you have in this world. How you can change the future. How you could change everything. How you could access just like Joseph accessed and go above nature. You don't realize that you are created Elokim in the image of God and you have within you God. Anything is possible. You just have to believe that you could do it. And then you have to go through the steps. These are the steps that we have to take to do it. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.